So let's look at Exodus 34, verse number 22. The Bible said, And thou shalt observe the feast of weeks, of the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Thrice in the year shall all your men children appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before thee and enlarge thy borders. Neither shall any man desire thy land. And when thou shalt go up to appear before the Lord thy God thrice in the year, thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven, neither shalt the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left until the morning. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring unto the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not seethe a kid in his mother's milk. So there are several things happening here in uh, four or five verses that we've read. I'm going to take a few moments and uh, focus on just in a general sense how this came about what was transpiring, and then, if you'll allow me, just take one particular thought from these verses that I feel like God would have me deliver to you today. We're going to be talking about this. It's a secret, but it should be obvious. It's a secret, but it should be obvious. All right, God bless you. You may be seated The book of Exodus, by description, simply in the, the name itself, should, should tell us it, it's about a specific time, season, that was transpiring in the history or in the lives of God's children. This is all about that time when they were brought out of, when they were delivered out of, Egyptian bondage. Being in bondage for several um, centuries had put them in a place where they had no real rights of their own. They, everything was somewhat in disarray and confusion for them. At, leading up to this time, they really did not have much structure, they did not have a lot of organization or even understandings of, of all that God wanted for them. And, and this simply is because when they went into Egypt, they went into Egypt as a family. One man and his sons, 70 or so, and now here we are several centuries later and they're coming out of this bondage by the miraculous power of God as a people, not just a family, but as a nation. And there, there was no real order or structure for them. And so the book of Exodus is about the things that transpired to bring them out, how they came out, and then what God wanted from their lives, and, and He begins to speak to them about going forward. That here is the structure, here is the organization, here is my expectation. And so when you're reading through Exodus, you're reading about God giving to them specific things 
that previous to this, they did not have a knowledge of. They did not, it wasn't something really expected of them or in place, but things were changing and God was bringing to them a brand new light and revelation of what He desired out of their lives. So when we read Exodus, we read about moments like this. We read how God is saying specific things. And so when you, you look at verses like this 34th chapter, verse 22 through 26, and, and, and you, you see a lot of things happening in this and you're trying to figure out what is all of this about. Well, we're going to talk about it, but let me, let me make a few introductory remarks that will help you understand what was going on here. First, the value of, of consistency provides for us in our lives results beyond what sporadic attempts can produce. And, and, and I know that's a, I said a lot there, but let me go back and help you. If we live our lives in a sporadic way, if we live our lives in, and I hate to use this word, but it really defines what I'm trying to say, in an inconsistent way, if, if, if there's no consistency about our lives, then we will never have certain benefits that would come to us or results that would happen for us because those things only transpire in the uh, arena of consistency. There are some things that we will never enjoy if we choose to live our lives sporadically. But if we devote ourselves, disciple ourselves, commit ourselves to a certain level of consistency, then there are results that will come to us simply because we're being consistent. And, and there's great value in that. The sooner, in my opinion, that we realize this and, and we start practicing this, it's, it's more than just knowing it or realizing it or coming to an understanding of it. But, but when you come to that realization, if you start practicing that, then out of that you will find there are great benefits that come. Benefits. I know people that have a knowledge of what works but never work what works. <laughs> they, they want the results of it, but they're not willing to do what it requires. So, but, but when we realize it, when we understand it, when we start practicing it, then we're benefited from all of these things. Now, in, in this 34th chapter of Exodus, we have God giving forth expectations for His children. And, and, and heaven's view of everything going on here was, was not an optional type of view. What, what God was looking at and what heaven is, 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 is observing here is that people who live in the area of everything being optional will never experience all that God has for them. Because God does not operate like we operate. As human beings, everything is up for debate 
Everything is in that area of flux and maybe we haven't heard another opinion or we haven't seen it from that perspective. And, and so sometimes it's hard to be concrete when, when you haven't uh, explored all of the possibilities. That, as humans, that's where, we, that's where we, we live. Michael, you understand this because of, of the career path that you have. But I had an instructor who, who in college... He he was a uh, he had, he was an attorney. He had a law degree, but he was teaching theology in a, in in a college. And what made him so different from all of the other instructors that I had was when he presented something, he presented it in a way as though he had already explored all of the other options, all of the other arguments, all of the other potential things that could come along that maybe would derail what he was teaching. And you, would, you were in class, and as he taught, it was as though everything was answered for you because when he was teaching and something would come to your mind, well, what if? In a matter of moments, he would explain that. And, and, and it was like he... From his view of the law and the way that he had to practice law, it's presented that way. You can't go into a situation just because you see it one way and present it that way. You have to consider all of the other things that can come up. And as humans, we live our lives that way. So it's really hard sometimes for us to be absolute and concrete on everything about our lives. And what's going on. But here's, here's a major difference between us and God. And that is, He operates on the level of absolute. We operate on the level where everything's changing and, and the potential and possibility of something being different tomorrow. And what if I hear that or someone introduces the other? And then how's that going to change my perspective? And what am I going to think then? And how will I respond then? And what will I do then? But all along through this, God is always on this plane of everything being absolute. And when we try to bring God down to the place where we're living, where everything is just kind of up for debate, where, oh, that's your opinion? Oh, you're a cat? Okay. <laughs> I mean, we don't even want to argue with people anymore because their opinion is of their life. They're a cat. All right, if you want to wear a tail around and put ears on and lick your paws or hands or whatever you want to do. If that, and, and we're like, okay, because as humans, we're like, all right if that's what you choose but God doesn't look at humans like cats okay and he's like well that's your option if you want to be he's like well no that's not the way I made you uh, you're you know this feline part of you is not anybody understand what I'm saying God and so when we read the word sometimes we have to turn off the realm that we exist in of everything being optional and we have to read it from heaven's perspective when he is saying these things that we read and we're going to go back and look at them he's not making suggestions all right let's look at verse 22 and um, take a few moments just to analyze this he didn't say 
Hey, guys, if you feel like it, I had something good in mind. I was, I, I, I was, you know, I was thinking the other day, and it's just where we are right now, and I think it would be really cool if, if, if a few of you would just get on the page with me, and, and if, if, if you have time and you feel like it, and, and it wouldn't offend anybody in your family, and everything works out just right, I really would like for you to show up and worship me every once in a while. All right, but that's how we operate in our families because we know if we make demands and absolutes, we're going to have a family knockdown, drag out. Nobody's coming to the reunion. Everybody's mad, and, and the holidays go up in smoke. I mean, so we're just always on eggshells with everybody's feelings and everybody's opinion and everybody's extended family and everybody's financial situation and everybody what they can do. And instead of just buying who you gifts for who you want to buy gifts for. We're going to draw names and you buy this for a child's gift. Because we're trying to make everything work all the time. God doesn't operate like that. Okay? So when you start thinking that He operates that way, then, then we serve Him as though everything could change with God tomorrow. He said, I am God and I change not. In other words, when everything in your life and everything in your world and everything is in this place of change, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what was, will be, and that's the way it is. And when we start understanding that about our God, we get to the place where the benefits of heaven can be released into our lives. So he said to them, verse 22, and thou shalt observe. Okay, that's an absolute. That's not a suggestion. He said, you're going to do this. There's no, well, I'm running late. I had to work overtime. My family's sick. People are dying. He said, you will do this. And you will be consistent about this. Thou shalt observe the feast of weeks. Of the first fruits of wheat harvest and the feast of the ingathering at the year's end. He said, Here's what's gonna happen. I brought you out of a place where you didn't have any rights and you didn't have any privileges and you couldn't make your own mind up and someone was controlling everything. And I blessed you and I freed you from that bondage. And now I'm bringing you to a brand new place where you've never been. But I want you to know how all of this is going to work going forward. This is how it's going to work going forward. Here's my absolutes. Three times a year, I want every male person to show up and this is when they will show up. And he goes through those three times. He's talking about in gathering, and he's talking about harvest, and he's talking about first fruits. And then he then he says to them, Three times in the year shall all your male children appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For and he's telling them that if you want to, I think it would be a good idea. It would be so, I mean, it would help you so much, but you don't have to if you don't want to. That's not the way God operates. We don't have the ten divine suggestions. We have the Ten Commandments. Well, you don't understand what I've been through. And, you know, I love my neighbor's wife. And there's just something about this connection. He said, don't do it. I don't care what you feel or think or how pretty she is or, or what's going over in your mind. He said, don't do it. 
Well, they talked about me. They said this. He said, don't kill them. Well, I want to kill them, God. I think you understand where I'm coming from. Everything they've done to me and all that. And he said, don't kill them. I mean, he's, he's, he's clear. And he's saying to them, three times a year, show up at this time before me. And, and the reason he's saying all this is because he wanted them to honor him. Showing up during this time was an act of worship. Look at your neighbor and say, worship. Okay, so he's saying three times a year, I want you to worship me. I want you to honor me. I want every one of you to do this. Not when things are great or things are bad or you can get around to it or you have the time off or or you thought about it or you didn't think. He said, Do it. No matter what else is going on in your life, you show up and worship me. You show up and honor me. You show up because, and as you see this in the Scripture, he he tells us this. Why? Because of what verse 22 said. Because you've had an ingathering. Because you've had a harvest. He was talking to agricultural people. They they were not industrious type of people necessarily. Not in the industrial age that we've just come through. and He was dealing with agricultural people. And and their whole lives were, were founded on and existed out of harvest, out of rain, out of sun, out of plants, out of wheat, out of corn. All of those things that grew. Their lives were literally... Dependent upon those things. So he's saying, when harvest comes, you show up and thank me. When you have in gathering, you show up and thank me. When, because I'm the one that made the sun rise. And I'm the one that allowed the rain to fall. And I'm the one that caused the increase to come. You didn't do that. You, you may have gone out and worked in the field, but you could have worked tirelessly and nothing come out of that. Listen, listen what he said to, to Cain. Cain, who was this guy that, that, that took pride in producing from the earth, that was what his offering was when he got in trouble with God in the first place and brought this offering that, that, that was improper. And God said, listen, if you do what your brother does, he said, well, this is what I do. And God said, okay, if that's what's going to happen. And you know the whole fallout, and he kills his brother. And then God said, you know what you're going to do? You're going to, from this day forward... Go work and labor and toil and do everything that you know to do and all your expertise and all your training and every and the earth will never yield its fruit to you. Think about it. You go back to your job and everything that you're good at on Friday, you show up on Monday and you just can't get it to work now. And you're doing the same stuff that you've done for 50 years and all of a sudden done because if God doesn't give the increase it's not going to happen in our lives so he's saying when harvest comes when in gathering comes I want the first fruits and I want you showing up in a consistent way not I will this year but not next year well you don't know what I'm going through and you don't know what I'm facing it it doesn't matter to me if I understand or no It, it has nothing to do with me it has everything to do with his law 
It has everything to do with the way He operates, not the way I operate, because I'm just like you. I can make excuses too. I'm a human just like you. I can say, well, my family or my job, or they cut my pay, or this happened, and my stress. I understand that. Don't get mad at me. This is His deal, not mine. And when we understand that God operates, responds, works in that realm of consistency, not in the realm of, I think I'll worship Him this week, but not next week. I think I'll, you know, God is awesome because this happened, and then I'm mad for six months and never give Him praise. And then He said three times every year, no matter what kind of year it is, no matter what kind of season you're in, no matter who died, who lives, who's, what's going on, you show up, and you show up not mixing blood with leaven, not taking the, the, the kid, which is the animal, from its mother when it's nursing. He said, there are certain things that I will accept and certain things I will not accept. So don't even push me on it because it's not up for debate and it's not someone else's opinion. This is an absolute. This is the way it works. And if you want my benefit, if you want my favor, if you want me to work in your situation, then this is how it happens. So, he's saying... Show up this way. Bring the first fruit. Be consistent about it. And when you do all of this, this is, you're doing it because I brought you through yesterday. I made a way for you last week. I opened doors for you a month ago. If I had not been in control, you wouldn't have anything today. And so he's saying, show up and let me know you're thankful. Show up and let me know you appreciate it. Show up and let me know that, that, that you're glad that I have benefited you and I have blessed you. God, help us to always realize where our blessings come from. Help us to realize where our favor comes from. Yes, you're talented, but where did your talent come from? Yes, you, you're a good person, but where did that goodness come from? Yes, you're able to produce, but where did that come from? It came from the giftings of God, the favor of God, the blessings of God. If it were not for the Lord on our side, where would we be right now if it were not for God fighting for us and working for us and making a way for us so when people say I don't have anything to be thankful for they're not really understanding who God is and how awesome God is and how sovereign God is you would not even have woken up this morning if it had not been for the Lord you, your eyes would have not opened this morning your heart would not be beating all of this that we have and call life we would not know right now if it was not for the Lord He is the one that woke us up He's the one that started us on our way He's the one that blesses us throughout each day we can never get to the place that we forget where God brought us from and what He's doing in our lives every day Every day. So he's saying, show up. Don't forget where your blessings have come from. And now notice what happens when we do that. Verse 24 says this, For I will cast out the nations before thee. Hallelujah. He said, I, I'm going to kick out the intruder. Amen. 
I'm going to remove the one that's trying to destroy your life. He said, I I will cast out nations before thee and enlarge thy borders. He said, when you show up worshiping me, it's this constant thing. It's this this realm of absolute. You, You don't have to be perfect. You do not have to know it all, figure it all out. All you have to do is be consistent. And when you're consistent, he said, show up worshiping me and I'll drive the nations out before you. Show up worshiping me and I'll enlarge your borders. Show up worshiping me and I love this next one. He said, neither shall any man desire thy land. Say, well, I just can't seem to get ahead. That's because everything and everybody's trying to take what you have. And he said, if you'll show up worshiping me, I'll cause that to stop happening in your life. Listen, this doesn't happen. Driving out nations, casting out nations, enlarging your border, causing those that desire what you have to just back off. That doesn't happen when you're sitting at home twiddling your thumbs saying, I don't know if it could get any worse. Yeah, it can. Keep crying. It will get worse. But the only way it's going to get better is if you show up thanking Him for what He's already done. It will never change. It will never change until you get into His realm of absolute and out of your realm of, well, I just I want Him to, he, I want him to feel sorry for me. And if I'm, I'm pitiful enough and I cry around and whine and complain and gripe to enough people, then God will feel sorry and He'll do something. No, He won't. You'll be crying, whining, twiddling your thumbs, begging till the cows come home. But it ain't ever going to happen. And when they come home, they're coming home skinny. You can't even enjoy them. It doesn't happen that way because he's not operating on that. He's operating on a level that says, show up thanking me for what I've already done and there will not be enough room for what I'm about to do in your life if you can honor me in spite of the situation and no matter what's going on in your life right then. He said, I will cause these things to happen and when thou shalt go up to appear before the Lord thy God thrice in the year, thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven. Well, I didn't have time to clean my kitchen out and I, I know there was some leaven. He said, get in there and start working. Well, if God wants me to change, He'll change my life. No, you change your life. You get up and clean your house. You get up and clean your life up. You get up and drive the things out that can bring destruction. When he said, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt, but you better get a lamb, and you better clean your house, and you better pack your bags, and you better get your shoes on and get things. God didn't say, you just sit there, my precious little honey, because it's been 400 years of suffering, and you're going to have to do nothing, and I'm doing it all because I'm your wonderful God. He said, I'm going to make a way, but here's what you need to do for that to be released in your life. Because here's the absolute. No Red Sea, no mountain, no water, no army, no Pharaoh, no plague. None of that will touch you, but you better get ready to move. Because if you're not ready to move, all those things are coming on you. But nothing that's come on the Egyptians will come on you if you'll operate in this way. So, so... I don't read one time the testimony of, you know, I was just hanging out in my house. And all my neighbors packed up and left. And the next thing I knew, God picked me up out of my house and set me right on the other side with Him. It was incredible because He saw how pitiful my life has been recently. No, it doesn't happen that way. 
I found that people that find help in their lives are the people that try to help themselves. And as they start trying to help themselves, God starts moving on their behalf. It never happens for those that are just everybody else. No, not everybody else is going to do it. God's going to do it for you. When you take the initiative to do what you can to go through the situation. So he said, when you show up, make sure you haven't mixed some leaven with the blood that you're bringing. Make sure that you haven't last minute run out in the field and grabbed the kid that's still in its mother's milk and drug it along because he said, that's not the sacrifice I want. See, sometimes we come to church and we think we're worshiping God. This isn't worshiping God. I really love you, but I'm so upset with the way you've been treating me lately. <laughs> you know, that's why the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. If, if it's begrudgingly as you give... It's not helping you. Well, I'm going to do it just because I feel obligated. You might as well not do it. If you're expecting something good to come out of it. We can't give God half-hearted worship. Show up sporadically. Every once in a while, when, when I'm in a good mood, I will. God's not concerned about your mood. He's saying, show up, sh give me the honor, worship me. I blessed you. I'm making a way for you. Things are going to turn around. And as you do your part, you're operating with a God that will absolutely look at your enemy and say, get out of here. Look at your situation and say, all this that's closing in on them, I'm pushing these borders back. And everything that's been trying to steal from them, I'm cursing the devourer for your sake. And He's not going to take what I'm blessing you with. God has a way of moving and it seems like a secret. Because so many people don't do it. It's like a secret. Here's the secret. If you worship God, He moves on your behalf, but don't tell anybody. So we live as though it's a secret instead of something that's so obvious. I mean, he, He's saying, show up, bring the sacrifices, honor me for what I've done, and you won't even have to fix the situation in your life. I'll fix it for you. We, 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 we try to do God's job. And here's the whole thing. Man, I don't have time to get into all the Scriptures today, but this is what Satan said to Jesus when he tempted Him in the wilderness. He said, you see all this stuff out here? I'll make you a deal. You fall down and worship me, and I'll give you all this. Jesus is like, are you crazy? I know the secret. <laughs> and that doesn't work. Here's what some of us need to understand. Worshiping what mammon, the world, the adversary, human efforts can do for you does not produce the release in your life. Jesus looked at him and said, it is written. See, because he, he knew the absolutes. But we operate in here. Who is, Satan always is trying to get us to bow down to Him and worship Him as though He's the one that's bringing all the release in our life. He's telling the God of glory, I'm going to give you what you already own. I mean, I mean I'm going to give you what already belongs to you. But we fall into that trap because it's a matter of worship. And what the adversary wanted was worship. When you worship your job, you don't have the favor of heaven. When you worship 
the things of the world, you don't have the favor of heaven. When you worship what you can fix and what you can take care of and you, what you can settle and you worship and you don't have time for Him, don't ever expect God to step in and drive the enemy out, enlarge your borders and cause the devourer to be cut off. But at the moment you say, I'm going to continue worshiping you through all this situation. I'm going to worship you with my life. I'm going to worship you with my heart. I'm going to worship you with my talent. I'm going to worship you with my abilities. I'm going to worship you with everything that I have. You automatically release favor. You automatically release benefit because you're being consistent. Not just when everything's good in your life, but even when everything is terrible in your life. You just keep worshiping God. Keep loving Him because God will turn it to your favor. And somebody shout Amen. So when our worship moves out of that area of optional, I just didn't feel like it today. Who cares what you feel like? There's, there's many days I, didn't, I don't feel like certain things. But I learned decades ago something about my God. And that is, He's not worried about my feelings. He's looking at my actions and the motivation of where it comes from. I'm going to worship God if nobody's worshiping God. I'm going to worship God. Some people look at our situation and say, I can't believe why I feel so sorry for you guys. You're in a gym. You're in a community center. You're in a this. You're in that. This has nothing to do with the way I feel about my God. I, I've worshiped God standing in front of uh, caskets of loved ones that I'm, I'm sending on out of this world because God still deserves praise no matter how tragic the situation was. I, I stood in hospital rooms when people are at the end of their life and still worship God anyway. I, I worship God in gyms and community centers and in jails and in hospitals and under tents and on street corners. One night, Lisa and I, I believe you were with me. This is way back a long time ago. Anybody know who Cal Ripken is? Let's see the hands of those who know who know Cal. Okay, Cal Ripken was a baseball player, right? And and I was preaching in Baltimore on on the night that he was breaking uh, the record for the most uh, games, uh, whatever that's called. The he hadn't missed any games in X amount. So so this is a big honor for him, and and national news and all this stuff is there in Baltimore on that night at the stadium, and they're honoring him and all these players from the past. All these people are there because this record that nobody thought would ever be broken, and it stood for so many years. He's breaking that. I was preaching in a tent revival, not in rural North America, some little country out of the way, in Baltimore, Maryland. Right in, and I could name the area, but I, don't, I, I know it wouldn't mean much to you. Right in the most violent, difficult, gang-ridden places of that city. And the church had set up a tent on their parking lot. And I went and preached, and it was like a Tuesday night or something. It was a midweek night. And while I was preaching, drug deals were happening on the street. Right, right there on the street. 
And prostitutes were walking the street, right there on the street. I'm in the pulpit preaching. People are there under a tent, and drug deals are going on, and prostitutes are walking by, and I'm preaching, and they have a horse trough set up on the side there of the platform. And as I started preaching, people started walking in under the tent, one right after another. And that night, while all this other stuff's going on across town, with someone breaking a record that will never mean anything in eternity, we were baptizing one, two, three, four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen people walking in off the street, being baptized in the name of Jesus. I'm trying to tell you, it doesn't matter what situation you're in, it doesn't matter what location you're in, it doesn't matter what the stress is, it doesn't matter what the issues are. When God gets ready, someone starts worshiping Him. He responds and lives start changing lives start changing when I left that service that night the festivities across town were still going on and I got on the interstate driving back toward DC and I looked over and saw the stadium lights and had the radio on and I heard all these people honoring someone that had broken this long standing uh, record and I'm thinking to myself that means nothing compared to what just happened across town in an area where people say there's no hope. There's hope anywhere. I said there's hope anywhere for anybody in any situation when they say I'm just going to worship the Lord in spite of where I am. God always shows up. God always comes through. God will always work it out. And here's what He does. And this is what I want you to see as I'm coming to a close here. If you live a consistent life of worship, God will consistently provide for you. God will consistently protect you. God will constantly show up in a way to produce victory in your life. It doesn't matter what your family struggle is. It doesn't matter what your financial challenge is. It doesn't matter what's going on in your physical body. There is an absolute that happens when you start worshiping Him. I was praying the other day and just felt this in my spirit. And and God directed me back to these passages again to say if you will truly become that kind of consistent worshiper, you will see God show up every time time in your life and work in every situation. I made my mind up like I said earlier in this message that when I go to church, I'm going to worship God. I don't care who else is there. I don't care who's preaching. I don't care what song they're singing. I don't care what I faced last week. I don't care what I woke up to that morning. When I get to the house of God, my hands are going up. My mouth is going to be open. My heart will be exposed to Him and I'm going to love Him Worship Him, magnify Him, glorify Him, give Him glory because He gave me another day. He gave me another opportunity. He gave me another moment. He gave me another chance. And as I praised Him, and you can stay standing, as I praised Him throughout my life, I have seen God come through every This this is how clear he is. He simply says, Give, 
and it shall be given. Any, does it, I mean, there's no need for clarification there. He doesn't say, try me a few times and then I'll see if I like you enough to do something for you. So if you're strapped financially, I'm going to tell you how to get out. Give. He didn't say, cry, feel sorry for yourself, make everybody in your life miserable. He said, give. So well, I don't have much to give. Neither did she when she walked up to the plate that day. <laughs> and she gave. And, and he said, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait just a minute. Let me, let me just like bring attention here for a moment. This little lady. He said, I've been watching. And he said, this little lady has given more than anyone else in this building today. What? She's poor. She doesn't have anything. I gave X amount. Of, he said, it wasn't just something left over she was given. She gave everything that she had. See, sometimes we have to realize that it's not the amount, dollar amount, that gets his attention. It's the level of sacrifice that it is. Some people can give a thousand bucks and it's not a sacrifice at all to them. But other people to give one dollar may be everything to them. He works in this level of give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men give unto you. God said, when we read in Malachi, you want the windows of heaven open? Stop robbing me. Just do what I've asked you to do and the windows of heaven are open and I'll pour out so much on you that there's not room enough to receive it all. I'm praying God help me to get to the place where there's not room to receive it all because I'm living my life in a state of worship. I'm living my life in a place of giving you glory and honor and giving you that way consistently releases the blessings of God in our lives. So I said all of that the last 30, 40 minutes or so, 45, to say this. If you come to church and worship only every once in a while, when it's your favorite preacher, or favorite subject, or favorite song, or faith, then you have no clue of what the kind of blessings I'm talking to you about. But if you come say, I just got to thank Him one more time. I have to give Him worship one more time. I have to praise Him one more time. I have to give Him glory one more time. I have to honor Him one more time. My hands are going up. My mouth will be open. I have to express how I feel. You know what? God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for people in this house who will, as the Scripture says, worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I believe in this season that we're in right now in vertical. God is looking for true worshipers. He's looking for people who are not waiting on the next person. They're not waiting on the next sign. They're not waiting 
waiting on the next thing to happen. They're just walking in saying, I'm giving him glory. I'm giving him praise. I'm giving him honor. You don't have to take over. You don't have to be someone that's putting on a show. You can be a true worshiper that says, I have a jump in my step. I have a leap in my heart. I have a praise on my lips. I have something I want to give to him. And if you will praise him, worship him, honor him consistently, he will work in your faith.